0: The Vital Way, where ancient wisdom meets the cutting edge to optimize your vitality and performance. There are no right ways, just better ways. Welcome everyone. This is Logan Christopher with the Vital Way podcast. And on with me on the call today, we have Mike Whitfield. And uh, we're going to be talking about some exciting stuff around training and weight loss and all that. And I wanted to bring Mike on the call today because he has a, a pretty fantastic weight loss story uh, and we're definitely going to dive into that. So first of all, thanks for joining me, Mike. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Yeah. So can you go into some detail on your weight loss? I mean, how much did you weigh? How much did you lose? It was over 100 pounds, correct?
1: Yes. Yep. That's right. I actually lost 115 pounds and uh, you know, I can't remember the exact weight I was, but I know I was over 300. Um, I didn't weigh myself until the end of that first week. So that, that's actually 115 from that point. Now, I know I, I lost a good, I'm guessing, at least five or six pounds that first week because I went from just eating junk, absolute junk 24-7 to a, a much cleaner diet with a cheat day. But um, anyway, what happened was is I was playing the PlayStation. Imagine that, a big guy playing PlayStation. <laughs> and uh, I was playing football, and I threw an interception. And I got so upset about it, I threw down the controller. And then when I bent over to pick it up, that's when I had this big epiphany. Because I realized, for one thing, I couldn't see my feet. And then two, I saw this, just this huge gut. And I realized, wow, what, how did this happen? And looking back, it seemed like it happened overnight. But the truth is, it slowly happened over time, over several years. And I owe a lot of it to, uh, to being behind a desk. Because at that time, I was doing a, a corporate job. And so, Uh, I decided, you know what, I gotta do something about this, but at the same time, I was also realistic because when that happened, that was in December. And so I decided, you know what, I'm gonna enjoy the season. I'm gonna continue having my holiday food and all that kind of stuff. But then in January, I'm going to get on the New Year's bandwagon, but I'm gonna stay on it. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, disappear in in early February like everybody else does. I wanna set some short-term goals and some long-term goals. And so uh, after that six months, that first six months of going for it, I lost 75 pounds. And then it was like, uh, I think it was like a year and a half, maybe two years later, I decided to become a trainer. And that's when I decided to lose another 30 or 35 pounds, uh, close to 40. And, uh, and and the rest is history. I've, I've been able to keep it off, which I think is just as much of a battle as it is to lose it, especially with somebody like my genes. But um, But that's pretty much in a nutshell how it happened.
0: All right. That's, uh, I definitely want to dive in a little more detail. You said you set some goals short-term and long-term. Can you explain a little more of your process in doing that? Because, well, I, I'm a huge fan of goal setting, and I know many other people are, but some people aren't. And for me, it's, it's always been a very powerful thing, and it sounds like it worked for you well here.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, well, short-term goals was basically just to stay consistent. I didn't have any specific, like, pounds of weight that I wanted to lose in that first month but i wanted to just have some kind of dedicated you know dedicated committed schedule and that was just uh, to work out 3 di- three times a week you know strength training and then just have one cheat day so back then a cheat day diet uh, cheat day diet kind of worked for me and that was i'd say 90% of the time that was saturday but the rest of the time i was committed to just eating you know clean foods like you know such as you know lean uh proteins vegetables and things like that and I had to tell my friends about it because you know when we went out to eat we typically did the McDonald's thing or or the Taco Bell thing or or whatever so we had to switch gears a little bit and for those times that they still wanted to go out I actually took the time and packed my lunch the night before or the or either, you know or at the very least that morning and I would bring you know the the thing of green beans that I can heat up in the micro, uh, microwave or um some uh, Some grilled chicken breast that I, you know that I grilled the day before, and so th- those are my short term goals as far as just you know just wanting to stay consistent now my long term goal was uh, was july i think it was july first was was the exact date, but anyway, we were heading out to uh, to vacation, and so my goal was to lose fifty pounds by that time we went on vacation, and at that point when we went, I actually lost seventy five so I, I totally smoked it out of the out of the water i mean i I did, um, you know, seventy five pounds. So it was twenty five pounds, uh, you know, more than what I I set my mind to. So, uh, and of course, after that, it was, you know, I was kind of in maintenance mode for a while. And then once I got to, uh, you know, to studying to be a trainer, I decided, you know what, now that I kind of know the the insides and out of, you know, losing fat and a good nutrition program, I'm, I'm going to ha- go ahead and keep going. And then I continued to lose the weight after that point.
0: Yeah. I like that because uh, I think that's a missing key. Many people do uh if they're trying to set a goals, but you had sort of the, the longer term outcome goal. You wanted to lose those 50 pounds, but uh equally important, if not more so, is that sort of the habitual goals or the process goals, those steps you do every single day or uh, in the case of workout every other day that are going to get you to that point. And uh, I think that's that's huge right there. So it's a uh, no surprise you were able to get there. Tell me about what sort of changed up, uh, once you were working to become a trainer. How did things change? And usually when people are making a dramatic, uh, weight loss transformation, right? They're able to get somewhere like 75 pounds doing something, but usually those last few pounds that everyone's trying <laughs> looking to lose. Sure. Uh, that takes a little bit of a different, uh, method in order to reach that goal.
1: Yeah. Really what it came down to was a combination of more than anything my diet. I had to tighten up my diet a good bit more than what it was. You know, before it was just kind of watching what I'm eating and then, you know, behave most of the time. Well, now it came to a, a point where I had to get really serious if I wanted to lose more weight, especially with my genetics. And so that's I really had to focus on making um, even better decisions with my food. And then the uh, the combination I was talking about as far as staying active, I just found a way that outside of my Workouts, I wanted to stay active, whether it was just going for a walk or playing some pickup basketball or, you know, whatever it was that I could find just to keep myself active. Um, I found ways to do that. And it's just, it, it's what I call bonus calories. And it, it really, as far as the bonus calories that you're burning on these, uh, you know, staying active days, it's more to do with your mindset than it does with calorie burn. Because when you sit, just go out for just, even just a 20 minute walk on your off day, you're going to come back and you just feel refreshed and you're going to find yourself making better food decision uh, decisions much easier. And there, there won't be that, that struggle of willpower and, and having to fight stuff in your environment and that kind of thing. It's just amazing how staying active, what it does for your mind.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you, you sort of build up momentum and I've definitely – uh, notice that myself and myself as well as clients, is the, the more good things that you do, the sort of easier it is to do them. So uh, if you have this mindset, you stay active. Even on your off days, that just sort of makes it easier to eat the right foods and then do the right training. And it sort of uh, just builds like that.
1: Absolutely. All right.
0: So uh, tell me about the cheat days. Uh, what sort of style did you do? I know it's it's a pretty big thing now these days, and there's all sorts of different formats to it. So what worked well for you?
1: Well, what I tr- when I first started, what I traditionally try to do was just kind of cut back on my starchy carbs, you know, the potatoes, the breads, the rices and things like that. So I try to keep those at bay. And then on Saturday, I'm going to be straight up with you. On Saturday, my cheat day was ridiculous. I mean, it was just like <laughs> I, I was ravenous, right? Because, you know, it was basically what my cheat day was every day for me. It's just the way I ate every single day. And so I had to transition into only doing that one day a week. So just an example of my cheat day, uh, I would wake up and I would have pancakes, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a little bit, but, uh, you, know, you know, Mikey pancakes. But uh, I love pancakes. But then at lunch, you know, it was a matter of uh, going to a fast food joint and, and you know, picking up a, a, you know, greasy bacon cheeseburger with fries. And then for dinner, it would be maybe some Mexican food, like beef nachos followed by some ice cream. I mean, it was just – I'd say in the neighborhood of around – I don't know six to eight thousand calories.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: that that was pr- traditionally my my cheat day. But here's the thing, though, as as I kind of progressed and evolved and discovered how much better I felt by you know during the week, my cheat days became less you know, I guess more less of a blow up if you will on the weekends. And so all of a sudden, you know, here it is on my cheat day. Instead of you know going out for pizza, I found myself wanting to go out for Say, for instance, some, uh, you know what, we'll, we'll have some grilled chicken breasts and some veggies, but I'll treat myself to some breadsticks, you know, something like that. And it's just crazy how how my my taste buds changed and my mindset changed as I constantly evolved. And so that's how the cheat day really worked well for me.
0: Yeah, that's uh, very cool. I I've, I've definitely noticed that effect, too. It's it's especially early on. It's kind of fun to see just how much you can eat on a cheat day. <laughs> uh, yeah. Definitely like you're saying, that was kind of your background. That's how it was every day before, but that can be, I, I guess it probably um, goes with certain personalities more than others. But uh, like you said, I think many people would notice that over time that they just start wanting to go with slightly healthier choices, but maybe still because a cheat day has a certain effect on the body. Maybe you can go into a little detail about uh, why does a cheat day work for people that may not be familiar with
1: this sure it's it's just a matter of the way I look at, at cheat meals and cheat diets or even a cheat day diet is kind of like uh, kind of like intervals you know we all know and or at least most of us know intervals are much you know work much better for you to lose fat so if you were to take you know thirty to forty minutes of a treadmill you know just kind of jogging for forty minutes compared to 15 minutes of doing intervals where you go really fast followed by a period of going uh, at a very comfortable pace we can actually apply that to our diets. And so here we are we're, we're keeping our calories low during the week but then on the on the weekend, say Saturday or even Sunday, we bump both we bump up those calories and what that does is it it really comes down to hormones and we're basically we're, we're looking for a way to keep our hormones happy, but more importantly, psychologically, I mean, let's, let's all face it when it comes to eating better, it's, it's, you know, 90% of it is psychological. It gives you that mental break that you desire and that your body desires. And so for once, you know, you don't have to rely on willpower. You don't have to rely on, okay, I got to be good this weekend or I got to be good today. You can finally give yourself kind of a break from your diet. So that way you come back, recharged the very next day.
0: Yeah. Uh, that psychological aspect is pretty huge. And like you said, uh, I, I think most people are, there, there seems to be more of a success where you have some sort of cheat day built into your diet because people can, it's, it's sort of delayed gratification, right? You can be like, Oh, you know, I'm going to eat that on my cheat day. It's not, Oh, I can never have this again. And some diets set people up for failure in that way exactly Uh, Exactly. i've even heard of people literally like every time they see or think of a food they want to eat they'll make a list and then that way they they know what they're
1: doing (laughs) i've seen that too and it it works i mean it's it's something when you deprive yourself of let's say somebody that's crazy about pizza okay and to go into a diet saying that you're never going to eat pizza ever again to me that's just not a way to live but when you look at this and say you know what I can have some pizza on Saturday and I could still lose weight and I could still feel my best. It's just very gratifying and it enables you to stick with something long term.
0: Yeah, well, especially when you see that it actually helps you because of the uh, the way it works with the hormones and sort of resetting the metabolism.
1: Sure, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, go into the pancake thing. What's up with that?
1: Don't, don't
0: you know pancakes are bad for you?
1: <laughs> right. That's why it's my favorite cheat meal of all time. <laughs> well, it all started with uh, Craig Ballantyne of uh, Turbulence Training. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was uh, writing a guest post for, uh, for his blog. And basically, it was just some, some finishers that I'm sure we'll talk about. But I posted some finishers, and then I, I wrote something about being almost offended that Craig said that he likes pancakes more than I do. And to me, that was just like it was a slap in the face because it's like, you know, I've I've loved pancakes for so many years. And so uh, at that point, after that blog post, Craig started calling me in his emails, uh, even introducing me to his friends and stuff at conferences as Mikey Pancakes Whitfield. And so now I live up to the expectation because, you know, I, I have pancakes no less than once every two weeks. And Somebody might, you know, hear that and say, oh, once every two weeks, that's really not liking pancakes, but you should see the stack of pancakes that I have every two weeks. We're talking no less than eight pancakes. I mean, it is a ridiculous stack. And so it's, it's just one of those very, you know, one of those very awesome things that I just love to get my hands on. I absolutely love a pile of pancakes, and that's why I try to treat myself at least once every two weeks with it.
0: Is, is there a specific style or way that you do them, or is
1: Whatever my You're wife does up. is how I like them. I don't know what she does, but she – I tell you what, she – it used to be iHot pancakes. That used to be my go-to. But then my uh, my wife started making them, and I, I don't know – I think she uses coconut oil. I think I've seen her use that, but I'm not 100% sure. But either way, just how fluffy they are and everything, its just, they're amazing. Now, of course, I am a big fan of chopped pecans, so the pecans have to be in the pancakes. And uh, that's that's my only requirement is really the – the uh Pecans have to be in the batter, but other than that, now I'm pretty pretty open. But nothing beats my wife's pancakes for sure. Nice. nice.
0: <laughs> so I, I I last time I talked to you a little while ago, you were also experimenting not with just the cheat day, but sort of the cheat weekend idea. Uh, could you elaborate on that a bit?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's how I came up with uh, diet free weekends, and basically, in a nutshell, what we're looking at is y- you be you know, even a little more, not, I don't want to say strict, but a little more tight Monday through Thursday. And then instead of just a cheat day, you actually get to cheat Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so what I've done is I've basically take this interval style approach. And I've kind of did the four days off, three days on, as far as an interval approach with your diet. So for four days, we're going to tighten up a little bit more on our diet Monday through Thursday. And then for three days, we're going to actually. Uh, and, you know, have a calorie surplus for three days straight. And that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Now, there's some some pretty cool, and, but yet simple stuff you can do, too, as far as calorie cycling and carb cycling and stuff like that. But uh, basically what we're doing is we're tightening up Monday through Thursday and then we're going to have one cheat meal on Friday night, two on Saturday and one on Sunday. And for most people, that's just like it's almost like a breakthrough because let's face it, on a on a single cheat day. Some of us, including myself, I started to struggle this uh, uh, myself a couple of years ago with a single cheat day diet. Sometimes we're we're forcing so much in on that day because we realize, oh, you know what? I have to get it all in because if I don't get it in right now, I'm not going to be able to have this food until next week.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: we might find ourselves miserably full. You know, at dinner. So it could be 7:30. You just had, you know, five slices of pizza and and you're stuffed, but you didn't get in your ice cream for the for the weekend.
0: So you're you're feeling you just have to have more because you're on your cheat day.
1: (laughs) Right. It's it's almost like an obligation. (laughs) So what I wanted to do is just kind of set people free of that and help people understand. You know what? I am too full to enjoy my ice cream right now, but I know I have the room for it tomorrow, and it's built into my plan. And psychologically and, you know, physiologically, you know, physically, I can, you know, indulge in this ice cream and I could still lose, you know, lose weight the following week because I stuck to my diet as shown, you know, Monday through Thursday as I planned. So that's basically what I wanted to do is kind of break, break free of this cheat day mentality and kind of spread out those cheat meals through, you know, through the entire weekend, Friday, Saturday and Sunday.
0: Right. For when people mostly want to sort of enjoy their weekend when they have the time off.
1: Yeah, right? exactly. And if you think about it, you know, Monday through Friday, I'd say 90% of us, at least, we're on some kind of uh, structured day-to-day process. You know, whether it's, you know, a corporate job or whatever job you have, we're, we're basically following the same habits and the same things Monday through Friday. So typically, it's easier to stick to a diet because we're we're kind of too busy to to focus on, on you know on, on uh, wanting to cheat on our foods and things like that. We're we're so involved with you know family and, and uh, you know our business or, or our jobs or whatever, it's kinda of easy to stick well I don't want to say easy, but a little easier to stick to our diet. But then when Friday night hits, Friday and then all the way through Sunday, we have all this extra time. You know, we have this time with our friends, with our family. And so it's, you know, the opportunity to kind of indulge is much greater. So why not, you know, adjust your diet so you can, you know, accommodate that and then still lose weight week after week?
0: Mm -hmm. So does this work well for weight loss or people getting good results for it? Or is this more of sort of a maintenance thing? Like once you're at a point, you can pretty well sustain things going with this uh, cheat weekend.
1: Yeah, it's it's built for weight loss, and I'll be honest with you, it's it's not one of those lose you know you know four or five six pounds per week. It's definitely a kind of a long term uh, eating plan, and so you know, that first week, yeah, because it's a you know it's a brand new diet, some people may lose three or four pounds that first week just because it's something new. But then after that, we're looking at the typical one to three pounds of consistent weight loss. To uh you know to kind of do it for the long term, and so we're looking for a more long term consistent consistency approach with this now, as far as maintenance, there's some things that you could do um, in other words, you can you know maybe not be as tight Monday through Thursday once you get to a point where you just want to maintain, but then you know the principles remain the same. You could still enjoy yourself the entire weekend and then just kind of maintain your weight uh, as you go along,
0: yeah. Sounds like a good plan worth experimenting with. I mean, everyone needs to find what works for them. And But I think one thing natural in the humans, like we're not really meant to do the same thing all the time. You know, there's surpluses of foods and lack of food. So some sort of cycle in eating really should be there in some way. You know, we can sort of regiment it out with a, a cheat day or cheat meal or cheat weekend. But uh, for me, I know, you know, that... Weight loss hasn't been a big part of me, but just finding what works for me. There's sometimes when I eat more food, sometimes when I eat less, and uh, just following that approach has worked well. But uh, it sounds like an interesting idea that a lot of people would probably enjoy trying out.
1: Sure, absolutely, and, and I'm glad you said you mentioned about finding something that works for you because there, there certainly isn't one diet approach that works for everybody. It, it's kind of like kind of like a workout approach. You know, not everybody. Hmm. You know, is is designed to work out six days a week, and then there's some folks that you know, I, I'm kind of the three days a week, but some people want that five to six days a week structure. So that I'm glad you mentioned that because it really comes down to what works for you and your lifestyle.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's switch gears a bit and uh, switch to the workouts, the training that you do. Uh, besides being the pancake guy, you're also known as the workout finishers guy. Sure. Uh, can you go into some detail on what is a workout finisher and uh, why was this such a important component of your own weight loss?
1: Absolutely. Well, a finisher is, is kind of like taking interval training and condensing that. So as you know, most interval training is anywhere between – 15 to 25 minutes for most people, you know, you hop on a treadmill and you go really fast and then you go for a recovery period. Of course you could do this with, you know, biking, elliptical, whatever. What I wanted to do is take interval training and condense it down to 10 minutes or less. And then instead of traditional, say, you know, biking, running, whatever, I wanted to take a kind of a hybrid of body weight movements and maybe even some dumbbell movements. If you have access and and just create these just very intense circuits that you do at the end of your workout. So, you know, t- traditionally people what they'll do is they'll go into the gym, they'll do their 5 to 10 minute warm up, they'll do their 20 to 45 minute workout, and then it's almost like we're wired, okay, I'm done with my workout, now I have to go get in my cardio. And so they they walk over to the treadmill and they start walking and they, you know, they go for it for 20, 30, 40 minutes. What I wanted to do is is help people realize that you can actually get in your cardio. And I'm and I'm doing the quote sign here as I say the word cardio.
0: Um, I could tell. I could hear it in the voice. <laughs> <too>. <laughs> and uh,
1: it's just basically we're, we're doing our cardio in a different way and in a much more intense way. So a good example of this is the cool thing is you get away from the traditional three sets of 10 approach. With a finisher, I like to use all kinds of, you know, ladders and, and density circuits. And one of my favorite um, finishers is what, what's called the decline of the Bulgarian. So here's, here's an example of hitting your upper and lower body. So what we're going to do is we're going to go from a Bulgarian split squat jump. So you're basically you got your rear foot on a bench and your front leg is out in front of you You're doing a split squat. You're going to squat down the position. You're going to jump up and then land in the squat position on that one leg. So you're going to do eight reps per side on those. Then you're going to use that same bench, put your feet on the bench, and you're going to do decline push-ups, and you're going to do eight reps. Then you go back to the squats, do seven per side, back to the push-ups, seven. And you're going to work your way down until you do one rep of each. So not only are we getting our heart rate through the roof because of all this explosive movement, but we're also engaging more muscle than we would be with traditional interval training. You know, if you think about it, if you're doing traditional interval training – If you're running on a bike or uh, cycling on a bike or running on a treadmill, we're working our legs, and that's it. That's about it. We're not engaging our core muscles a whole lot. We're not definitely not engaging our pushing muscles, our pulling muscles, and things like that, whereas this finisher that I just talked about, we're engaging our glutes a lot deeper because we're having to, you know, use our explosive movements. Then we're having to use our push muscles, and now we're engaging the core a lot more. We're engaging our arms, our triceps and biceps, and so now we have a much deeper calorie burn as well because we're engaging more muscle. So that's what a finisher is all about.
0: Yeah, there's uh, it's you got a few different cool things going in there. That's uh, something that, you know, once I got away from the sort of conventional training world, it made a lot of sense to me. You know, you can get your strength and your cardio. And I'm air quoting as well right here <laughs> at the same time in a, a very much condensed uh, format. And as far as weight loss, like you said, it's so much better because of the explosiveness. You're using more muscle mass in the body and really that sort of switching from upper to lower body definitely has some very cool effects. Uh, do all the workout finishers basically follow along these lines, these principles?
1: Yeah, you get, basically I like to use a variety of body weight moves. And then if you have access to like say kettlebells or dumbbells, you know that's even better but a lot of them use just bodyweight movements but that's really what it's about it's about using multiple muscle groups and keeping the intense uh, the intensity very high cuz you know remember this is 10 minutes or less i mean there's some finishers that i've written that are just 2 minutes but it's amazing how much work you get done in that little bit of time All right
0: And it's kind of like the cheat meal thing, right? You can be disciplined for those 10 minutes because it's, you know, only 10 minutes at a maximum. Right. Then you can go off and do your other things.
1: Exactly. Saves you a lot of time.
0: Yep. Cool. Can you give us another example with something a a bit different, maybe using some dumbbells or kettlebells?
1: Yeah. One of my favorites is uh, is somehow incorporating swings. And so what I'll do is is I'll, you know, just keep something simple such as uh, kettlebell swings. And so we'll do 20 kettlebell swings. And then we'll superset that with, uh, say, the renegade row. So with the swings, you know, of course, we're engaging our core, we're engaging our glutes and our hips. We're also in- improving our hip mobility. So we'll do 20 swings, and then we'll go down and we'll do, say, 10 per side on the renegade row. Now, for those listening that don't know what a renegade row, that's when you're in the push-up position with your hands on a pair of dumbbells. And then you row the dumbbell up to the with your left side, and then you row the dumbbell up with your right side. So that's a renegade row. So now we're going from a an explosive movement with the swings right into the renegade row. Now we're, we're hitting our lats. We're hitting our core even harder. We're hitting our biceps. And so we're hitting all kinds of muscle with just two moves. And, you know, a good example of that one is uh, 20 swings followed by 10 per side on the renegade row and do like up to six sets. And the rest periods are simply up to you. You know, when when you're when your form is not perfect and it's not spot on, that's when you got to pause and take a break, catch your breath, and then continue. But that's another, just another simple finisher using just a pair of dumbbells and a kettlebell.
0: hmm So with these, it's called a workout finisher. So this can just be bolted on any sort of other workout program.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Because you know a lot of us are on different programs. There's there's some that like you know metabolic workouts. There's some that like splits where you do, you know, upper body one day, lower body next day and that kind of thing. That's what's so great about a finisher is I think we can really we can all benefit from using a finisher because even if you don't need to lose weight, finishers will help you improve, you know, outside of the gym. I mean, we're talking carrying groceries up and down, a, you know, some uh, some stairs much easier uh, playing with your kids, uh, little things like that, because what we're doing is we're also increasing our aerobic capacity our, our ability to breathe and take on extra work and so it, that's why i think we can all benefit from it
0: yeah you're you're hitting a lot of the different components of athleticism within a relatively short amount of time that certain systems may not necessarily be doing like for instance yoga is great has certain benefits but it's definitely yeah, you know, depending on how you do it, sure you can get sort of that cardio benefits, but having that strength and moving between exercises, generally that's not how yoga is done. So uh can is it can it work as a standalone system, just like, oh, I'm gonna do three finishers by themselves and then move on to something else? Or uh are there some other ways that you can use it that may be different than just having it as a workout finisher?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I would say a couple of years ago, I was against stacking two to three of them together, but then I, I found, you know, I, just doing some experimentation on my own, as well as a couple of my guinea pig clients, they were loving it. So, you know, here you are, let's say you have an average of uh, five-minute finishers, and so you take three of them back-to-back, back, you're looking at one of the most intense 15-minute workouts that you've ever had in your life. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really a great way, you just... You just have to grin and bear it, though. Know that this is not going to be simple because they are designed to be plugged in at the end of your workout as kind of a a send-off, if you will, from your workout. So when you stack two to three of them together, it's going to be a mega awesome workout, no doubt about it. Now, I do recommend this, though. We kind of toyed around with a couple of clients, and I recommend if you do stack up to three finishers together, and, of course, even for the most advanced, four is the absolute most you should go, but – what you want to do is you want to rest for two minutes in between each of those finishers. And that's just mm-hmm. going to kind of let your, your heart rate come down a little bit, kind of get your focus together, catch your breath, make sure you're not doing things with pitiful form and, and stuff like that. But that's that's a way that you can actually have a full workout. Another way that you can use a finisher is on your off day. You know, so many people are just kind of anxious. they got to do something on their off day, even though they're on a program that only requires them to work out three days a week. They want something to do the other four days of the week, and so I recommend just simply doing a just a fast warm up. You know, get some blood flow going, some jumping jacks, and maybe some body squats and some uh, some push ups, and then you could actually do a finisher on your off day. And granted, you know, between the warm up and the you know the actual finisher, you're looking at a max fifteen minutes, but it's enough to kind of get your endorphins going. It's enough to get you focused, and more importantly. Kind of like what I said earlier, as far as the activity level, it's going to help you make better food decisions. So that's another way to use a finisher is just simply doing one on your off day just to increase uh, you know increase weight loss if that's what you're wanting to do, you know speed up fat loss, and then another way just to stay active and, and uh, stay more conditioned.
0: Very cool. So what's the uh, rest of your training look like? What do you do besides finishers?
1: Yeah, I was doing a uh, upper body only. Uh, twice a week I was just kind of experimenting with that the reason being is I play full court basketball three days a week and the guys that I play with most of them are in their mid-20s and I'm 40 so I gotta you know I gotta keep my legs fairly fresh and so I experimented with I think it was like eight weeks straight where I just did two upper body workouts a week because my legs were getting enough of a workout with the basketball and so I was enjoying that but I kind of miss my full-body workouts. I've always been a, a big fan of full-body workouts three days a week, and I just missed that. So I just started that, uh, that back up uh, about three weeks ago. Um, typically what I do is is full-body, com- big compound movements. Um, mm-hmm. An example of trying to think of my workout just yesterday, uh, Bulgarian split squats, and then uh did some uh, dumbbell rows, did some incline chest presses, uh, captain chair knee raises, and then, uh, I think my finisher was, uh, swings and stability ball rollouts. Um, that was pretty much it in a nutshell. So that, that's pretty much me is three, right now is three days a week, full body workouts around 30 minutes. Um, sometimes I'll skip my finisher just because I know that I'm, you know, the next day I'm going to be doing, you know, two hours of full court basketball. So I'm going to be pretty much doing a finisher for two hours. So I think I'm set. <laughs>
0: Very cool. So I, I'm curious, do you is, is, are your workouts pretty regimented or uh, do you kind of, based on how you feel, I mean, you just mentioned that a little bit, you'll skip your finisher. Uh, do, do you feel you're somewhat of an intuitive trainer because you've been doing this for a while?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. What I do is I actually create my own program and I follow that for four weeks at a time. So if I'm doing three full body workouts a week, I'll actually have you know, a program to follow on Tuesday, one to follow on Thursday, one to follow on Saturday. And then what I'll do is in week two, I try to incre- increase either my reps or my weight on one exercise during every workout. And so that's kind mm-hmm. of the way I progress. And of course, you know, the fourth week, I, I don't hold anything back. I go for it. And then I look at week one of a new program kind of as a deload week, if you will. Um, but then as far as that goes, if, I, if I'm just kind of lethargic or, If I'm not feeling the best or if I feel a little beat up from the previous day at basketball, I don't hesitate at all on cutting back on my intensity. And so if I, you know, if I need to cut back on weight with my dumbbell rows or my squats or whatever, I'll go ahead and do that. And then if I feel like, you know what, my body's a little beat up right now, I'm just going to skip my finisher today. I'm, I'm definitely listening, you know, to my body now more than ever, especially now that I'm 40. Um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely doing that and adjusting as needed. And I'm trying to do a little bit more mobility stuff as well, because, you know, playing mm-hmm. basketball three days a week for two, you know, up to two hours, it, it could do some wear and tear on your body. So I'm trying to do more mobility stuff too, as far as that goes.
0: Excellent. Well, is there any other things that you do yourself or have done with your clients that you feel uh, most people aren't doing that have helped contribute to your success in the gym?
1: Yeah, you know what? I think that some kind of push-up needs to be in every single program. And mm-hmm. you know, whether if you're a beginner, then then go with, you know, incline push-ups and that's simply just putting your hands on a on a bench or even a wall. But I think some kind of push-up needs to be in your program every time. Um, another movement that I've really started to fall in love with for I'd say the last I'd say year or so, maybe a year and a half, that's the kettlebell swing. It's just—it's it, mm-hmm. so amazing how that one movement has so many benefits. I mean, it burns a tons of—you ca- know—burns t- tons of calories. That's one thing, but then it, it just—it helps with your hip mobility, it uh, strengthens your glutes, it strengthens your core, and uh, it's just a, a great conditioning exercise. It helps you—you know—breathe easier. It's just so many benefits with just one exercise. So I would say, you know, find a way to have those two moves in your program every time. mm Hmm.
0: Yeah, I imagine with the basketball, uh, one thing I noticed once I started getting the kettlebells, like I could run faster and jump higher. So I imagine those are some benefits that are useful in that sport. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. Especially keeping uh, up with those, uh, those youngsters on the court.
0: <laughs> right, right. Uh, so what about the push up? What, why is that so important to you?
1: It's, it's an, it's kind of like the kettlebell swing where it's, there's just too many benefits to avoid it. You know, when a lot of people think doing a push up, you're working your chest and triceps, maybe even your shoulders, of course. And that's that's about it. But what we really, if you do a push-up correctly, you're engaging way more than that. You're even working your glutes if you focus on keeping your glutes engaged. And so here you are, you're, you're working your entire body. You'll even work your lats by just keeping your shoulder blades squeezed together. And so here you are, you're doing one movement that helps so many muscles. And it's just it, it just helps uh, develop what's called functional strength. I mean, how many of us are in situations where we need to push stuff? Whether it's pushing a stroller, uh, playing with our kids, pushing, you know, moving furniture, whatever it is, a push up translates into that, uh, you know, so much, you know, so easily. So it's just there's way too many benefits of a push up, you know, to uh, to avoid them in your program.
0: Excellent. Do you stick with sort of the the basic? Uh, pushups, you mentioned the incline decline, obviously the regular push-ups would be in between there, or do you play with lots of variations?
1: Uh, yeah, I do definitely use, uh, variations just to not, you know, I don't want to keep myself from getting bored. And then when I write my programs for, uh, for my online clients, I don't want them getting bored too. So mm-hmm. I use a variety of, uh, you know, I-, I like elevated pushups. That's a great way to, to work your abs a little bit more where you have your hand elevated, uh, you know, one hand elevated and the other ones on the floor, um, another one is my favorite all-time push-up is just the basic decline push-up. I've just always been a fan of it. Um, yeah. Then there's the Spider-Man push-up, which is is uh, is an advanced push-up. But as you go down, you bend your leg out to the side, and so now you're hitting your core a lot harder. Um, and then there's the uh, you know there's the the push-up renegade row combo where. You know, we talked about a renegade row earlier. Well, now we're going to do a renegade row per side, and then actually do a push up. And so now you're, I mean, you're working hundreds of muscles with just one uh, one motion. So I definitely uh, am a big fan of using a, a variety of push ups. So if I have decline push ups at some point in my program during the week, uh, one you know one month, then the next month I might do uh, you know maybe the close grip triple stop push up, which is where you uh, you know you have your hands right at shoulder width. And you go down to a push-up, but you pause halfway down for one second, and then you pause again for one second at the very bottom, and you pause for another second halfway back up. That's called the triple stop push-up. And, and it will make any push-up a whole lot harder. So if you're at mm-hmm. home and you think push-ups are too easy, try doing the triple stop push-up and you'll, you'll soon discover that it can actually be you can make any push-up harder.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's some good variations there, and the, the push-up really is something that you can play with in so many different ways. Uh, My my personal favorite is probably the handstand push-up, but uh, then you're working slightly different plane of motion. I think it's good to really work sort of that vertical plane as well as the horizontal. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's switch gears in a little bit more. Some people might be interested in business. So you've you know dropped tons of weight, uh, you became a personal trainer, uh, then you got started with your online business. Um, do you have like a philosophy around how you are successful in these different areas?
1: Yeah, uh, I would say the biggest thing that has made an impact on my business is getting up earlier. And I know that sounds a little too easy or too simple, but it's just amazing how much work I get done between the hours of like 4 a.m., until like seven or seven thirty AM. Wow, so
0: you get up really early. Oh yeah,
1: I get up super early. Um it's and I love it. I I wouldn't change it for the world. And uh it's I will say it's much easier to get up that early Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because those are the days that I play basketball. And so I have an incentive to get my writing done before I go play ball because we play ball at like six thirty in the morning. So I, I have to get my writing in before we get going. And so there's an incentive there. But uh it's just crazy how it, it's just it's before the world wake up, you know, wakes up. Mm-hmm. It's before my kids get up. And so I get so much done in that little bit of time. And then another thing um, is the uh, the book, The One Thing. Uh, I read that I think it was last year and it just it, it made a good impact on my business as far as just focusing on one thing at a time. So, in other words, you know, when it's and we're we're talking about little details here, too. Like when it's time for me to work on my workout of the month for my membership site, that is the only thing I want to work on for the next hour or so. Uh, I'm going to do everything from A to Z, everything from the book cover to how I'm going to structure the workouts to how I'm going to get my assistant to, to um, put in the photos and descriptions to the philosophy of the workout, the intro of the workout, everything. That is the only thing. I don't like doing – Okay. You know, Monday I'm gonna do. I'm gonna write the intro to the program, and then the next day I'm gonna write the program, and then the next day I'm gonna to go to, you know, go get my graphics guy to put together a cover. I like to just focus on one thing, get, you know, and just go at it hard, and then go to an, and then, you know, move on to another project.
0: Um. That's very cool. So what does your uh, morning routine look like when you get up at 4 a.m.? And also, what time do you go to sleep? <laughs> <I'm curious. laughs>
1: well, uh, I go to sleep typically in the summer. It's a little tougher. I don't go to bed as early, but I do. I'm usually dead to the world by 9 o'clock. But uh, during the fall, winter, and spring before you know the, the long hours get here, I'm usually in bed by like 7.30, 7.45, and I'm gone to the world by like eight fifteen, eight thirty, something like that. So uh, I go to bed like an old man. But uh, that's just the—it's just the—you know, my boys are uh, also early risers. They get up at six, and so that's just kind of how we're—we're kind of wired. But uh, that's what time I go to bed. Now my morning routine is: I get up and I have my quiet time, and that's when I open my Bible and I'll do my quiet time, and then I get out my gratitude journal and I write down something that I'm thankful for. Uh, sometimes it could be something as simple as, you know, hanging out with my kids, you know, with, uh, with some, you know, getting some ice cream to, I had an amazing workout to maybe it was a connection I made, uh, in the online world or something. Whatever it might be, I write some kind of, just a few sentences of, of just something that I'm thankful for. And then, uh, and then I, I go upstairs and I go to my office. Of course, I have a coffee in my hand. And that's when I, uh, I go to my forum. And check to see if anybody asked any questions in my membership site as far as the workouts or, or the food or anything like that. And then after that, that's kind of, kind of like my way of waking up. After that, I'm kind of focused. I'm in the zone. Then I, I start email writing. And so I will, uh, I'll do my writing for my fitness list. And if it's uh, time for my personal development site, I'll go ahead and write content for that as well. So I do a bulk of my writing in the, in the early morning. And then after that, it's, uh, it's either basketball time or maybe it's a gym day and, and I'm heading to the gym. Nice. Sounds
0: like a pretty good routine. Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, is there anything else that you uh, uh, did some great tips there? And now I'm thinking about it. I should probably wake up earlier, too. I, I know that I'm more productive when I wake up earlier. It's just that I, I like sleeping in. Uh, so maybe I'll work with that some more, but anything else that you feel helps you to stay, uh, productive and get the things done you want to get done?
1: Yeah, I do want to mention an app. Um, gosh, I I wish I could remember the name, but hopefully it'll come to me as we're talking about it, but there's an app where, and it's totally free. You download it and it'll block you from going to certain sites. So let's say you get suckered into Facebook very easily, or you get suckered into NFL.com or ESPN.com. I know I'm, I've been guilty of this. <laughs> there's a, uh, there's an app that'll actually block you from going to that site and there's no way around it. Even if you reboot your computer, if you say, you know, block me from going to this site for 90 minutes, there's, you, you have no choice. You have to wait out those 90 minutes before you can get on that site. Um, man, I wish I could, uh, hopefully I can, it'll come to me in the next couple of minutes, but, um, it's called. I want to say it's got a, it's got the logo of a skull, but I can't remember what it's.
0: Called. I think I heard of this the other day. We'll make sure to uh, find out what this is and include it in the show notes yeah, for this definitely. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I know what you're talking about, and there are a couple different things very similar to this as well that have been around.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a really good app, and I would say just doing that alone will. Uh, increase your your uh, your productivity by far because we live in a world where we just kind of have add you know it's, it's we're just we, we can't focus on more than you know we have to focus on a million things at once and it used to be where you know it was a good thing to be uh multi uh what's it called multitasking that used to mm-hmm. be a good thing well now the more i look at it the more multitasking stuff that you're doing, the worse you're going to be and the least productive you're going to be. And, uh, it's just, it's amazing how, uh, you know, when we're not, when we're not doing a million things at once, we're only focusing on one thing. Like, for instance, when it's time for me to answer questions in the forum, I don't have any other tabs open. That's the only thing I'm looking at. I can answer questions so much faster because that's the only thing I'm, I'm, uh, looking at. Oh, you know what? It just hit me. Self control. That's the name of the app. Yep. Self control. <laughs> I knew it would come to me. Yep,
0: that works. But right? <laughs> well, yeah, that that really gets back to the idea of what you're talking about with the one thing. And I agree, phenomenal book. Also, have you heard of Essentialism by Greg McCowan? Yes. I think that's how you pronounce his name. It's 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 along the same lines, but I found that uh, very impactful as well. And yeah, definitely in today's age with the internet and distractions and so many things to do just getting down to that one thing or what is essential. I think it's a huge lesson that more people could learn and something I'm, you know, trying to do more and more of myself.
1: Very cool. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, definitely we'll include links to some of these things in the show notes, but uh, where would you like people to go to find out more about you?
1: Um, I'm most active on my Facebook page. So if people want to find me, they can go to facebook.com slash workout finishers all one word workout finishers and that's where uh you know typically every day i'll, I'll post some kind of motivational thing in the morning and then uh, sometimes i'll I'll be silly as well and uh you know just po- pay some uh, some nonsense but i'll uh you know i, I like to have a lot of fun and I, and I think you can actually you can actually have fun and have a healthy lifestyle at the same time but that's that's kind of where i uh i chime in every once in a while
0: Absolutely. Well, I think we covered some great information in this call from uh, nutrition and cheat days to uh, the workout finishers, how to use those effectively in your training and get a lot of results in a minimum amount of time and also uh, the productivity tips at the end. I think Uh, everyone listening should have found at least one thing they can take away from this. Uh, I, I know I have. So thanks a whole bunch for joining me today, Mike. You're
1: very welcome. Happy to do it.
0: All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, If you can leave us a review on iTunes or any other place where you're listening to this, it would be much appreciated. Uh, We'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode.